I'm Amy, and you're listening to the Creativity Matters Podcast. Today on the Creativity Matters Podcast, thoughts on going home and how that relates to the work we do and have done. Here we go. You're listening to the CMP, a Creativity Matters Podcast. Stories of creative journey and a reminder that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Creativity Matters Podcast. I'm Amy, and this is episode 373, On Repeat, On Repeat, and, well, I am here on a Friday night trying to thread the needle with a show I wrote, strangely enough, and hasty scrawl in a field note on a bunch of field note pages. Pages and pages of a, yeah, kind of precious field note filled with scrawl. Every time I look at it, that's kind of what I think. And I can't help but think that I wasted that paper, all that paper. My scrawl is scrawl. It doesn't go all the way across every line. It's not nice and neat. It's not small and compact. It's fast. It's the tumble of thought and it's a mess. It's kind of a waste of all that paper. I've been carrying this field note around for notes related to my 50 list, to the doing of the list, thinking, oh, well, when I'm in the moment of doing something, I should jot these things down. And one afternoon, that field note was the closest thing when I decided to jot down the bones of this show. I almost never do that. I almost never do that longhand. I may take, yeah, sorted hodgepodge notes, but I very rarely really just let a show tumble that way to a page. Because, of course, why waste all that paper? This might actually be one of the only field notes, the only true field notes I have. I might have a couple others. I have assorted things in this size, but some of those are moleskin. I did this, it's been years, but I took advantage of a, I don't know, New Year's or end of the year sale on the moleskin site years and years ago. And I guess I went a little crazy and bought quite a few very small cahiers and the small size ones. And... I still have some of those. I have a a stack of hodgepodge field note or pocket-sized blank books. And they shouldn't feel so precious, but somehow this field note, it feels a little precious. And I'm really aware that I get that way anymore with supplies. And I've been thinking it through. It's kind of a real thing. And I am thinking it through. I'm don't really like it that that is my reality. But I've picked up this field note. I bought it maybe two years ago. I was thinking it was last year, but it's a special one. It was uh, maybe Valentine's Day. It's a heart field note. It's red. I think it's oversized. I wish I had it in front of me right now. I do think it's the oversized one. I have One other that I filled at some point that was that size and I really liked it. It's roundabout now for sure to be using it and to have had a moment of regret for filling it with scrawl 
but it, it is November. It is November. So it's roundabout, but it also makes sense. A month of gratitude, a month in which I keep gratitude in mind, try and build it into my day, into my awareness, into my thinking. Try and not forget each day to do this. Try and not let the days slide by without stopping to say, it's not that bad. This is good. And this I am thankful for. And this I am so lucky to have or be in the presence of or to have had. I'm grateful to have this little book. Grateful for the moment I bought it and the memory of thinking at that point that I really should try and do one thing like that each month. Buy one little thing each month, maybe. I really remember that whole thought process, me actually justifying and rationalizing buying that little heart field note. I am threading the needle because I am grateful that my son is going to be home for part of this weekend. So I thought I would try and squeeze in recording. Already the show is later by several days than I had hoped because what I'm going to talk about is really about November or would have really been applicable to the start of November, but it is not going to come out that tidy in terms of the calendar. So when I started these notes, it was with the paradoxical thought that there is a saying about how you can always go home. And yet there is also a saying about how you can never go home again. And maybe you have felt both sides of that coin at times. Depends on the moment, depends on the circumstance, depends on who you are in that process, whether you are the home or whether you are looking to go home. It is a bittersweet truth at times. And it is a comforting truth at others. And it is, yes, this paradoxical thing that we all grapple with at various points in our lives. And I've been grappling with it creatively. So that is where this show is going to come from. You can find song lyrics, of course, that tell you you can always go home. You can also lean on me or stand by me. But if you look, you'll find the can't go home again expression linked to a novel of that title by Thomas Wolfe, published in 1940, a few years after he died. You can't go home again. And that can be summarized to mean that going back to places that you remember is never quite the same as you remember it. How true. We are always moving forward. And even if we want or try to return to something in the past, something safe or treasured or happy, something joyful or whimsical, something full of grace, it often falls short. It isn't quite the same. Maybe it is impossible to recapture whatever the spark was that made it so special, so memorable, whether it was a moment or a span of time. It can be very difficult to try and recreate that or re-embody it or re-inhabit it. 
But I have a favorite restaurant, you say, and I go there once a week. Or every time I go, I love it. I repeat the experience over and over, and it feels the same. Okay, maybe. Maybe. And maybe in the distance, years from now, something will have changed, and that won't be your routine, and you'll look back on that routine, even if it spanned years. And maybe you try and recreate it and find it difficult to recapture something about that, the essence of that. This is a very... Yeah, it stretches, it's malleable. There's nothing right or wrong here. Something I've been thinking about specifically in relation to the things I'm working on. And so that thought about you can never go home, you can always go home, I was really circling around in my head as I thought about finishing up October, starting out in November. And It also ties in and maybe started with Gilmore Girls. But then as November approached, I was faced with the quandary about November projects, about not doing a podcast extravaganza in November, a daily series of any form, and admitting that to myself, even though I never, ever told myself this year that I might do it. I wasn't planning on doing it. But you reach that point when you really go, okay, I really am not doing it. And that left me in this space. A few years ago, I did a special podcast series. Some of you were listening then. I called it Spark. I podcasted daily in the month of November on the theme of gratitude, which became a series of meditations also on light and memory on acceptance, on change, on finding a silver lining of gratitude, even when it seems so difficult, even when you lead a life that doesn't always shine with gratitude, and light, so much light, moments of morning light, afternoon light, shifting light, watercolor skies, the seeing, the acknowledging, the awareness of light the slowing down and actually keying in on the moment. That was so much a part of that month and mindfulness. That month was so important to me. It was really important to me. Of course, I had really high hopes about what it might mean to do a podcast every day, how the show might grow. I had all those kinds of things that go along with it, and none of those things happened. But that month became so much more. It became incredibly important to me. It is something that there is an essence in my head. The feeling of that month, the sense that something magical something transformative, something real and raw and true and powerful happened in those 30 days of 
mindfully and deliberately sitting down each day and talking and thinking about gratitude and light and memory and change and age and all the things that go along with learning to realize and accept that there are so many things to be grateful for, even when everything is not okay, or everything is not as it was, or everything is not as you wish. That month left indelible marks on me and my thinking. I saw in that month glimpses of who I want to be, who I might be if circumstances were a bit different. I partly tell myself that, and yet that is a story you have to go beyond. I saw in myself who I want to be. That. That's important. And that is something to strive for, regardless of circumstance. I can still remember the moment that I committed to doing the series. I was wondering if I had any right to talk about gratitude, something that I felt at the time I knew so very little about. So very little about in terms of it being a guiding force in a life. I was driving along and I remember exactly how I felt, what I thought. I remember saying it out loud. I remember later talking about it on the show. I can remember the winding road of memory the series took me on. 30 shows in a row is a lot. Some years don't have that many shows altogether or have just a few more. When I think about it that way, it feels amazing that I pulled it off at all. There's a gauzy feeling to it when I think about it. My awareness of the top of the hill. Wow, so powerful. The way I've taken that view for granted in these years of change and the sharp and keen awareness that I won't always have this view, that the time in which this view will no longer be mine is getting closer and closer and closer. It, it should have already happened and it, it is getting closer and closer and I know that and it is with great ache that I sometimes look out and realize that my awareness of all of that, I feel like really blossomed during that spark series. It all struck me and it all has stuck with me. It has continued to stick with me. When I do look up to the top of the hill and think, okay, I'm going to go ahead and walk all the way up that show and those shows always in mind. And sometimes I come out and I think, well, I'll walk down, but I'll see the light at the top. You can see the light, you know, whatever that light is, you know, it's out over the ocean. And sometimes I'll think, oh, I have to go and see what that glow is. I have to go and see what color it is, how intense it is. My favorite often is at dusk, late in the day, but top of the hill gives me a vantage in multiple directions. I can see different kinds of light and different color depending on the time of day and where I'm looking. And I can see 
a part of the city laid out below. I can see things in the distance. It is always magical. So last year, I tried to recapture some of Spark, and it didn't work. But inspired by the year before, I did do a light project, one that I alluded to several times, but I never shared, partly because it was kind of scrawled and messy. And this year, if nothing else, I know I'll probably repeat that. I just can't let it go on as many mornings as I can drawn to the view out the window, kitchen window, drawn to that process, drawn to somehow how it makes me feel that quiet moment of recording the morning light. There's something so alluring to it for me, even though it may really be mostly about the doing of it, the taking of that moment the stopping to do it, what it says about me and what it tells me about who I am and who I could be. This will be the third year, I think, that I will have tried to record light in this way on as many mornings as I can. And I don't ever turn it into something else. I wish I could. I wish I had the time I can envision this project. I don't know what happened last year to all those hasty morning notes. The process of doing it was important. And so I probably will be doing it again. Last year, I couldn't find the footholds in the dark mornings for the show in the same way. I couldn't find it. And someone at that point, when I was thinking about it even, said, she cautioned that trying to repeat a favorite series doesn't always work. And I have thought about that many times since then. Sometimes that's true, just like the you can't go home, can always go home. And sometimes it's not. But I have thought about it. I think those were very wise words. It was a very wise perspective. Sometimes when you do a series and it is so powerful for you, And it's not something that you keep doing over and over. So there's this big stretch of time in between. You can't always just go back and redo it and find the same magic. You can't always recapture what you loved about a moment or a span of time in the past, even when you want to and you try to. Often, or at times in the last few years, I have done series work that really captured me, captured something about me. And each time I thought, this is me. This is maybe the best I can do. And I don't know how to do something else now. Or I'm afraid to shift now, afraid to pivot, afraid to lose and let go of the feeling of this, this thing that fills me and that I love so much. And at times I look at favorite projects and think, I want to be there again, that space, that art, that mindset. And I might be better now, or if I kept doing it, I might get better, but I want to be there again. And yet there are multiple things when I look around in my memory that I can say, well, that series or that one or that one. And if we don't let ourselves keep moving We would never find and fall into these other series that affect us so deeply and that we love so much. 
and you can't do them all. Times I look at favorite projects and think, I want to be there again. But it isn't that easy. Those of you who have worked through series know that. Some artists do find a series and that becomes what they do. What they always do. How they work. How they identify. They do this one thing. This one thing. And they do it always. But many of us, especially those of us who are creative as a hobby, who are not making a living this way, who are working in margins. I don't know. I don't know if it would be different if I had ever been able to carve and craft a creative life that could support the bills. At this point, my job can't support the bills. So I'm never going to reach that. And I don't know how it might have changed for me if that had ever been the case. But somehow the way I work in the margins keeps me on this ever shifting quest. It is a quest. I'm always shifting to new things. I live in these series for 30, 60, 90 days or however long. I love them. And then the shift, it happens. We shift, we push at boundaries and borders and mediums and do work that holds together for a little while, 60 days in ballpoint, or it was much longer than that. It might've been 200 days in ballpoint, 60 days with sunglasses and Copic markers, 60 days in marker, 60 days in black and white. We just keep shifting 60 days in panels, 60 days in circles, 60 days of pattern, 60 days of gouache, 30 days of watercolor, 30 days of carving. It's in some ways an exhausting ongoing process and journey exhausting when you think of it that way. But when we're doing it, it's day by day. And 30 days, we just settle in to something. And then we shift to something else. And so it is a quest and a journey. And we love all of that. But when we look back at the journey behind us, there are often things that really stand out and that we love most. And that we might want to recapture. And it really isn't that easy. I've talked before about scrolling our feeds. And the little pockets of series are often really clear. I see it this year in my feed more than ever before. And maybe I really am just thinking differently this year. I don't know. I really, really see these shifts. And... I have done a number of series this year that have been meaningful for me. Inktober, which is now over, was really something special for me this year. After I totally didn't want to do it, didn't want to give in to the big group approach, to the feeling of just being lost in this sea, I ended up doing it. I did something that was part of it. And also not part of it, something that I felt like was in parallel. I kind of didn't pay attention to the big C. I focused in on this parallel group with this alternative set of prompts. I talked about Inktober in the last show more than I actually anticipated talking about it because I've been so torn about setting it aside to focus more on journal-based work. But I do think that in this year's Inktober, I found something powerful and magical for me. 
And what tumbled out on that field note is that I found story. I found story. Last year for Inktober, I did an accordion journal. And in that, I relished in the continuity between portraits, the way the book literally unfolded portrait by portrait and the series of portraits of women had them side by side and somehow in silent conversation. There is something to that unfolding, that string of portraits that spoke for me. This year, I found a story differently. A story happening between images that didn't go together until juxtaposed on the page and put into a framework with their single words, with the prompt words, stories that somehow sprang into being because of the interplay between the images, their proximity to one another, and the words, just these few scant words, not enough to give you the story, but somehow the story emerges. And I played with pattern in Inktober and circles and dots, things that are so central to me, things that are easy. It's not hard to do these kind of patterns, but these are unifying elements for me. And watching how the story worked, I was enchanted by the whole process, by the fact that all of these things held together and felt like they went together by the hope each night that somehow the person drawn into the next box would add a next layer to a story that is told only in the viewing. And now that it's over, I don't quite know what's next. I don't quite know what's next. Many of you know that I've done gratitude projects over the last three years. Two of those involved small drawings each day on a single page with a gratitude mindset. The first year I did it, I really was trying to find things that I could say, wow, I am actually grateful for this. And they were small things. It's not that these were the most profound things to draw, but just looking around my space and drawing ordinary daily things. And the other year I did it, I was drawing small things from the boys childhood small toys and these were small they were things like figurines or small cars little things that brought all of that to mind and that I didn't want to lose and now when I look at it I see all these things and I'm so glad I have it Sonic and Rescue Heroes and Hot Wheels and Pokemon cards and Lego figurines and there were just all kinds of things that ended up captured on that page And it was a good time to do it because, of course, we don't have all those things forever. Although, because they're small, I tend to hang on to baggies full of things like that because I do love to draw those kinds of things. And in between those two years, I did a large page drawing of portraits of women in the CMP group at Facebook. I was still relatively new to portraits and it was a really big undertaking. It was hard. I'm sure that it would look different if I did it now. We do get better the more we practice. This year, I might still do a multi-image page with gratitude in mind. I am concerned that I don't think I have things to draw. 
I don't know that I can find 30 things this year that I want to put on a page. I think it might partly be that what I did with the kids' toys, I love so much that I don't know how to redo the project. And that is exactly the point of this show. It's exactly that moment. I loved that one so much. I don't know how to redo it without redoing it. Would it be the worst thing to pull out the same kinds of things? Maybe not. Do I have Hot Wheels cars everywhere that I could do? I do. That might be the most tempting of all the things I've considered so far. Partly, cars are a super big challenge for me. I'm not really adept at them. I'm not very skilled at them. The proportions are wrong. I end up with wonky shapes and wonky lines and always amazed at how you're supposed to be able to fit all those things into it. One of the notable things last year is that I did draw all those things, I think, actually with the figurine or toy sitting in front of me. So I drew them from life, which I think sometimes does challenge my ability to capture it even more. So I don't know about this year. The cars idea, it's a real one, but would it have the whimsy and spirit of some of those other things that came to life in last year's? Probably not. I had been thinking whimsy and wonder, and yet I still, when I try and just think ahead, I A, don't think I have enough things. I have an overflowing full house of stuff that needs to be gotten rid of, but I don't think I have things that would qualify for this page that I would be willing to draw. And I'm not sure I can recapture the feeling. I'm really not sure I can recapture the feeling in the same way that I don't think I could ever do Spark again. And I didn't accept that last year when I tried, but I know that I can't quite do the same thing again, at least not if I don't let myself say, okay, I'm going to do something similar, but it will be different. I can't just do the same thing again. And I think this time I feel that way about the gratitude project. And so I don't know. At the same time, I know that even though it sounds simple and some people would do all those in one day, I'm not that person. And I have to defend it every year because I I do know that people draw these pages full of things in a day and they seem to manage to do it every day and with frequency, but I can't. And even though it was one page, it took me longer. It took me my creative time every day to make it happen. So I can't just say, well, I'll go ahead and do a gratitude thing a day, whether I share it or not. And then also start some other kind of creative project that would be more intensive and that would allow me to continue with this Inktober idea. I don't know that I can fit it all in. Do I do other small things? Yes, of course. Gratitude log. I do other things, but, oh, I'm still really torn. So I keep thinking about what's next. I keep thinking about what's next. And I do keep thinking that maybe what's next has to be a continuation. I'm just not ready to quit. I'm not ready to be done yet. I'm not ready to lose the feeling. I think there's more here for me to explore. And plus, I landed in this space that was so true to me in some way. Are there ways to tweak it now and push it and transform it? Yes. And I'm excited about those options. I'm excited about finding those options, but I'm not sure I'm even ready to just let go of what I was doing. So where does this leave us? It leaves us with a list and, oh, wow, I am shocked 
I'm shocked. Yeah, I'm shocked. As this happened in the field note, and if it hadn't happened in the field note, I don't know if you would have ever heard this. But I suddenly realized this, and it evolved. After all those pages of scrawl, I ended up at this point where I was left with this idea of a list, because I tend to really avoid word lists. And there were moments doing Inktober with the alternative list that I used that were really hard for me, really hard. Words I would not do, would not choose, didn't want to do. For whatever reason this year, I stuck with it. I don't know. We could talk in bunches of shows about about that, about why sometimes you do and sometimes you don't, and about all of you who are rebels. And I really don't like to be hemmed in for the most part in any way, but for whatever reason, I stuck with it this year and maybe a word list is where I need to be, but it can't just be anybody's list that I don't want to do. I don't want to just go from list to list that other people create because I need to be involved in my story differently. I like the challenge of taking these words and letting that story happen. That's where I'm at is this fascination I have with the story that emerged through the images I chose to draw based on the words. I really want to stick with that for right now. The story that emerges for a viewer when you see these things on the page. I'm really right there. I am really, really stuck in that spot. So I'm glad to be done with Inktober. I'm glad to be done with that list. That list wasn't exactly where I would want to be, but it was a really good catalyst and led me to this moment, I think. So I think what it is, is that I need to make a list for me. I'm a little hesitant, though, to make it because I think that in the making, I will skew it. I know that if I choose all the words, I will skew it. I will impose story from the outset by the words. I know it. I just know it deep down that it will happen. Because, of course, I have favorite words, and I would probably try to put all the favorite words and I am really afraid that it would totally not work because it would be too top heavy. That's probably it. It would be too top heavy. There would be too much implied story. I instinctively feel that. At the same time, I am still thinking about it. And I think I'm on the cusp of setting up this list, which is almost the antithesis completely of what I said recently about lists. And I really feel that. I feel that I've done this big 180. I've done this big 180 on you. But remember, I always believe in and allow for the grace of change. I really do. I think we have to be able to say things and then change our minds. And I think that I respect that in the people I admire creatively. I don't think that people should be pigeonholed and should say one thing and never, ever be able to do something that might be counter to that. So I'm on the cusp. And maybe what I need is you to throw a word my way. Now, I know I say that. And I'm also going to say that I'm not guaranteeing I will ever use your word. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If I go anywhere with working on a list, meaning doing drawings off of a list. It's going to be words that I uh, want to have on the list. So if you send me crazy words, I'm 
not necessarily going to use them and I'm not going to respond. I'm not going to necessarily tell you whether or not I like it or don't like it. I can't go there. I can't, I just can't invest and interact in that way about this. It's too fledgling. It's too unformed. But I am thinking of a list and maybe that people send me words and I try to interject those. I don't plan to tell full stories. That's not my goal. I realized that with what I was doing. The plot is really only in how the viewer interprets the unfolding of the drawings on a page and maybe between pages. There was a continuity, though. There were five pages, and you can feel that they hold together, even though most of them were portraits. And I love that. It's maybe some of the most exciting portrait work I've done, just because there was this continuity. I always work with portraits and think of story and think, well, what would she say? And I always want to give people the thought balloon. When you actually get a zine from me, it's going to have these places for you to fill in because what would she say? You look at her and you decide, what would she say? Such a big thing for me. And yes, that zine is coming. Yes, it is a thing on my list. Yes, it is something that looms. It circles around me and has for years. But this year it's happening. What would she say? So with these paneled pieces, I'm not trying to tell a full story. And I'm not going to give all the words or fill in the dialogue. It kind of something that happens in the spaces in between. In the play of pattern. In the glance. In the angles and the lights and the darks and the shadows and all the wonderful hatching. I'm not ready to remove out of the grid. I'm not. And I know the kinds of words that I won't use. But I do think maybe I need to interject my own list with words from other random and assorted people and infuse the list, blend it, roll it around in my hand like a ball of dough, twist it this way and that like a kaleidoscope, shake it up and down like a snow globe, do all the things that excite me about words and about the possibility of magic and wonder and whimsy creatively and in the margins and in a grid and in a box and in black and white. Yeah. Yeah. I'm all over this. You can see it. This is the magic of November. This is the magic of November. And I'm too late to have a list going already for the month. And I was partly still trying to figure out this gratitude thing and juggling. Well, I need to be true to that. People expect me to do it and I expect me to do it. And I'm going to be super sad if I don't do it because I don't know how to let go of it. I don't know how to let go of being the person who does this gratitude project every year. So I kind of feel like I have to do it because I'm scared not to. But I also want to be doing this other thing. I need more time. I need more Saturdays. I need more Sundays. I need way better eyesight. I need to not be terrified that something is seriously going with my eyes. I need a lot of things. But I'm a little late to bring it all out in November. I'm a little late to have this list. I only realized that I wanted the list as I wrote these notes this week. And I knew that November 1st was going to happen on a day that didn't have a lot of time. Hasty notes in the week before the month. In November, I will sort out something of gratitude and about gratitude. I will. I am committed, determined, mindful. It will happen in several ways. It will happen with the light, that documentation. It will happen with a log. It will happen with some tracking. It will happen in these shows. It probably will happen with a daily drawing. 
and I'm already exhausted just thinking about all of it. And I need to start out on the sketchbook project book that has a February due date. I'm a little worried about that date. If I can make myself do something a couple of times, even in that sketchbook, it would be a good thing. Try and get that started. I'm having a mental block about doing these drawings, doing drawings in a book that I'm going to send off. It's not me. It's uncomfortable for me. I don't like to let go of my stuff. I guess that's a weird reality that I have had to accept in even thinking about it. I need to find the tiny journal, which it was all about the process and I did it all and I need to send it in. I think it might be close to due. So if I could start in that other sketchbook, that would be good. It would be good. It feels like a shift though. I don't really want to shift. Ugh. Ugh. I really like to work in a series. I like to work on something and have the comfort and the continuity of it day to day. It is Comfort's the right word. It is so comforting to me to be able to know every evening that I have this thing that I'm going to do. And it helps me stay balanced in so many ways. And the comfort of series is huge. So I can easily fill November with odds and ends. And then in December, December is always tough. It's always a little hectic and chaotic and time is different, of course, for so many of us. I'm tempted to start this list and to start working in an ongoing grid, maybe kind of on and off, and then really, really see if I can focus in January. But I don't know. I'm not big on the on and off approach. I would love nothing more than to do this kind of thing huge and this big wall size piece, but trust me, my space doesn't allow that in any way. Continuing what I was doing though, and sort of, it's a paper sized book. That's what it is. Feels big, but it's not super big. Bigger would be good, but it worked. It really worked. Yeah, bigger would be good, but this has worked. So, you know, I kind of think that I'll keep going with that for a little bit. I have enough pages in this book to get me through my 50-50 journal, which is where I also did the grid, I think until the end of this year, calendar year. Uh, I'm going to have to figure it out. It has really worked for me for the 50-50 journal. So I think I'm going to have to see if I can try and splurge and get the same book again. And it was an odd choice, but it's really worked. And sometimes that happens. Sometimes the odd choice you make turns out to be right. You don't get too attached or overthink it. You just use it because you have it. So now I have to buy another one, which kind of makes it funny. So send me your words, your best pick. Don't send me a dozen. It'll be too many. Although if I get thousands of words, maybe we'll have lists for, I don't know, a year. It can be hard to do this list. I know it can be hard to cull down to choose. Should they be nouns? Should they be concepts? I think it's always a mix. The reality is I'm going to choose to do portraits as many days as I can. And that was kind of where the interesting thing happened in Inktober, I think, is in figuring that out and still seeing the story emerge. So send me your words. You can send a couple. But again, please don't get upset or offended if it turns out that I never use your word. I know people take things personally. The simple fact is I might not use your word. So, but I'd like to see them. I'd like to 
have all of these options and see what happens. I wonder about the shape of it, the shape of this list, this project, these special words. And simultaneously, I see myself just doing this list and redoing this list forever, re-inhabiting the list and words each time with who I am then. I don't know what it is about me that makes me redo things over and over and over. I have been thinking about that a lot. Yeah, I have. And well, me, you know, and inventing and inviting a prompt list. Yeah, who would have guessed? I feel that way too. I'm still teasing out what it means to me. It still feels definitely a little amorphous. There's all kinds of things tied to this and wrapped up in it. But I think I'd like to see it. I'd like to see what it looks like. Maybe I'd just like to see the words. Maybe I'd just like to write the words. Maybe I'll never draw them. I don't know. I don't know. But maybe it could be something. I might do a list like this that I make. 99% that I make and sprinkled with things from other people. Kind of sounds fun. The show today did, (laughs) did in fact start with Gilmore Girls. Rewatching is on my 50 before 50 list. I knew that it would be easy to do, fun and funny, something to help occupy evening TV hours. I knew that Gilmore Girls would be the right thing to rewatch. And I put it off for a while, partly because I was watching something that had a wonderful 11 seasons, which took me a while. And that was fantastic. The last time I watched Gilmore Girls, I did so with my oldest and we joked about tracking the shows, about tracking Luke's flannel shirts because I have a flannel shirt kid, which I love. And this time I did plan to do some kind of tracking. I've talked lots of times about drawing people from TV shows and I wasn't really going to do that with Gilmore Girls this time at least because I have so many other things happening. And I had Inktober going at the time. But tracking, yes, I would like to do some kind of elaborate and beautiful and wonderful tracking that you would all be in awe of. But no, it's not really me. I have ended up just tracking the actual watching of episodes. I don't want the watching to just slide by because this is on my 50-50. I tend to draw while watching. And so it's really easy for shows to just slide one into another And I don't want to lose it. My tracking is minimal, but it's at least there. It feels like I'm making tally marks of a sort, but it's deliberate. It's aware. It's conscious. So I'm doing that and I feel good about it. When I started watching, rewatching with this aura of my 50 list in the air, I did have a moment where I wasn't sure why this was on my list. Not totally. Why it has a place for me. And I kind of felt like a time traveler when I started watching that first show again. And I was trying to understand what I saw a few years ago, what I saw in it, why it has stuck with me, why this would be on my list now, what I thought then. I would say I would don't think the first episode is my favorite by any means. And I was really puzzled. I was almost thinking, wow, you can never go home again because maybe this is a bad idea. I had definitely that moment where I thought, I don't know, this could actually backfire. This could really turn out to be a not good thing. But I settled in. Things are striking me differently now than they did in years past, I guess. Although 
after the first few shows, I do feel like I settled down. I sort of eased into it. The characters softened a bit. In just the first few episodes, I felt like there was a shift and I'm sort of right back in my comfort zone with it and really enjoying it. The ability to binge watch, I think it's such a luxury, such a gift. As I watched the 11 seasons of that previous series, I thought a lot about how much the people changed in all of those years. But when you're watching it all at once, it happens really slowly and subtly, sometimes in between seasons. And you also realize that you may not have liked a character all that much at a certain point. And then as time goes on, the character changes. They write that character differently. They change both in how they act and in how you think about them. They change in appearance. You see characters age. You see them grow up. You might be reminded in a flashback or in a clip from another show that, wow, they were that young at the start. And you see all of that. It's, I think it's a fascinating perspective, even though these are stories. I know they're fiction. I get it. But it's still a really fascinating perspective to watch actors change that way over time. But it happens so subtly that sometimes you're unaware of it almost. Of course, it's the same with your family or maybe your friends. If you see them all the time, you may not notice the ways in which they change. In the same way that someone who only sees them after months or a year really notice those changes or the way you feel when a photo pops up from three, five, 10 years ago and the passage of time is right there, black and white, so clear. And you really see now what that time looked like. Realities that might've been less clear to you when you were living it, when it was this slow, subtle change. Suddenly you see something and you think, oh, wow, I really see it now. But at the time, I couldn't see it. You can always go home. You can never go home again. Of course, we're going to stick with you can always go home. But there's also that sense of not really being able to just repeat in exactly the same way. I am the art. The art is me. And... That is it for today. It has ended up long, but thank you to Amy for telling me that long was okay with you. It has ended up long and a little bit winding. I feel like there are a lot of layers to this whole thing. Definitely not trying to say something bad about going home. It's much more about the kinds of projects you do that are really hard to repeat. Some things we do and repeat and they are ritualistic and that is something that works that I believe in and is very true. But certain things I do think are hard to do again. And maybe it's that you really have to have a slightly different angle and mindset in order to make it happen. I am so ready for holiday lights. Every time I record, I feel the tug. I really just want the lights on always. I think next time it will be time. Today's word is wizard. And sounds like a non sequitur. I know I was going to say something else, which is related to my son's visit home tonight. But I had this weird moment of well, if I had to draw that I can't draw that. So I'm not going to say that. 
But as I was thinking about you can never go home again, Wizard of Oz came to mind. It's the sleep frog. I know there's no place like home. There's no place like home. I feel a lot like the scarecrow these days. Yeah. Wow. This show could take an entirely different direction right from there. So wizard from the title, but wizard in any form? After all, Harry Potter is on my 50 before 50 list. I know my list is such a hodgepodge, right? But I'm so excited about it. So I'm really looking forward to deliberately watching the whole series of movies again in coming months. Something else I'm kind of putting off. I'm waiting for the perfect time. So good to have a list. So wizard, that's it for today. I had audio trouble last time after the long show. I had re-recorded a really small thing about Linda Berry and the new book that she has coming out. And I mentioned it on the Facebook page and in the show notes, but I just want to mention it again. It is called Making Comics. And those of you who really appreciate Linda Berry's work, you might love Syllabus or you might love any of her other books. You definitely want to see if you can check it out. I had actually recorded live me looking it up on the library page and putting myself on hold and being one of the list of people it's on order. And I had done all that. And then the audio was completely messed up. I don't know what happens when that happens. I can't tell anything happens until I try to go back and edit. So I just wanted to mention it again, because it's definitely exciting that she has a new book coming out. Okay, so as always, I'm Amy, you can reach me at creativity matters podcast at gmail.com. Show notes are available on the creativity matters podcast.com website. The music I play is courtesy of Nikolai Heidlis. You can find me at Instagram as oamy oamy. Thank you, especially to those of you, the few of you at Patreon. Your support there and your belief in the show and in what I'm doing, you'll never understand how much that means to me and has meant to me. I am definitely grateful for those of you who are there. That's patreon.com slash creativity matters. Until next time, remember that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. And don't forget to breathe. Have a good week, everyone. Make sure you look at the light.